welcome to the latest edition of View from the Lock uh, with my special guest, Alan Grant, who is the Senior Golf Manager of Visit Scotland and also Non-Executive Director of Scottish Golf Limited. You're very welcome to the show, Alan. Thanks, Bill. Good to be here. I, I, I don't feel any pressure after your first two episodes with the guests that you've had on, so hopefully uh, hopefully we keep it rolling. <laughs> Listen, Alan, you're as big a personality as anybody, so don't you worry about us. <laughs> and Alan, before we get stuck into golf tourism, I mean, Scotland is the home of golf, um, and, uh, and talk about maybe some of the battles and, and some of the challenges you've had promoting Scotland. Uh, where did golf start for you, Alan? Yeah, well, you know what? It, it's I, I'm not. I guess I'm not an, a, a, a typical. I don't know a typical golf administrator. You know, I, I didn't kind of grow up in in kind of playing county golf or competition golf. I was very much. I grew up in um, in the northeast of Scotland, uh, up near Aberdeen, and you know, foot, you know, played football as a young kid. And you know, I think once once I got to the age of being able to drive a car, we would head down to a little nine hole or twelve hole golf course called Auchinblay for anybody that knows that neck of the woods. Um, you know, we used to play a lot of kind of pitch and putt golf, club, uh, golf at the at Hazelhead Golf Course in Aberdeen, right in the city. Um, I, you know, I never really played eighteen hole golf, you know, until until probably I started this. Well, no, maybe a wee bit before this job, but it, you know, it certainly wasn't. It certainly I've not sort of grown up through golf, but I think it's always been one of those things that, as a Scottish person, you recognise that this country created this great game that's now worth billions of pounds around the world, and you know that that that's a really unique and a special thing for a Scottish person to to look back on. And, you know, we invented, we invented phones and pneumatic, pneumatic tires and everything else, but you know, actually, you know, golf as a, as one of the foremost sports in the world was, you know, created by a couple of folk, you know, in five, you know, hundreds of years ago. And, you know, I think, I think that adds a, a special element to, a special element to the work that I do now. Well, you know, I was talking about this um, recently, uh, D'Angela Howe uh, from the RNA, the museum, director of the museum. Uh, she's going to come on the show as well, actually. So uh, that, that'll be that'll be pretty good. And we were sort of reflecting upon how golf is in the DNA of the population of Scotland, whereas not so much elsewhere. I think in Ireland, um, uh, you know, it, it's in the family, uh, um, you know, and, and, and I get that you got an uncle or your dad or your mum or, or whatever, sort of, or auntie play, plays golf. So always somebody plays golf. So it, it's pretty good and pretty indicative of, of culture, uh, I think, maybe less so now. But in Scotland, it really was in the DNA of people because of access to all courses, because of the the ability to you you just said it yourself nine hole golf was was readily available uh, you know public facilities were readily available and then you had your high end uh, as well so you know I've talked to people Alan who feel intimidated going to to golf clubs and, and you know uh, are, are nervous or worried about how the reaction will be to them uh, you didn't find that I assume when you were playing golf in the early days. No, no. I, I mean, I mean, I guess I went to public courses. You know, very much kind of you know council funded. Um, you know, pitch and putt golf courses or nine hole golf courses. And I guess in in you know the intervening years, the availability and the accessibility of those have become fewer and fewer around the country for you know lots of different reasons. Whether that's whether that's economic or house building or green belts or whatever that is. You know, we've kind of you know, we have lost a lot of that. Um, introduction to golf you know facility in scotland for for lots of different reasons and, and 
but no, I, I never found that. You know, I think, I guess as I've grown older, you know, I, I, I guess there's, I understand that intimidation or that that challenge that people have that are not in the game because I guess there are there are certain places that you and I will go in the world that you realise you're walking into somewhere that is yes. historic and special and. You know, I've, I've been lucky enough to be in the RNA clubhouse a number of times and you know every time I go in there there's a, there's an element of intimidation because you realize the history and the heritage of what you're walking into but that's that doesn't mean that people there kind of turn your back on you or tell you to get out or you know, it's that that history and heritage thing that's there and and I think you know again I say this internally in visit Scotland a lot you know my my job is to promote golf and, and visit Scotland and you know, a lot of that responsibility you know, falls on me and, and a couple of other people but there are a lot of people in Visit Scotland who, when they're writing copy or they're talking to journalists or engaging with media companies, are actually, you know, they, they, there's a nervousness there in terms of talking about golf because around the world, people just expect Scottish people to know everything that there is about golf. And, you know, not everybody plays golf, not everybody has, you know, is there, but there's that expectation around the world. And I think that's, it's certainly one of our uniquenesses. Um, but from a from a destination perspective and from promoting a destination, you know, we are we're very unique in the fact that you can walk into any town, any village, any city, anywhere in the world, and there will be a golf course, you know, within ten minutes that you can just go and play. You know, you look mm. at America and that's not the case. You you don't get you don't get little kids putting golf courses in Gullin or in North Berwick, you know, replicated in the States. And I think your perception sometimes is is nine tenths of the law and you know, and I think the perception of golf globally is very different to the reality of golf in Scotland and in Ireland um you know, specifically yeah yeah it's interesting I think there is a uh, less of a stigma attached for playing public courses uh in, in Scotland and, and even Ireland than there is elsewhere that I've come across um you know and there are many a mighty good public golf course uh, available in the UK uh, and Southern Ireland uh, as well. And I remember um, a long time ago now, I was taught in London in the 90s uh, for a couple of years as part of a golf uh, society. Uh, and we played outside Uxbridge. Um, so it was relatively close to the Buckinghamshire, which is a fabulous yeah. golf course. Um, but it was a, what was called a municipal golf course. And we teed off at six o'clock, which was hellish on a Friday. My first class I had to teach was at half ten. Uh, so I always sort of pushed to be one of the first off. Uh, and the level of competition um, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a professional golfer, so I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you, you got to get it 300 yards uh, or 200 yards or 400 yards or whatever it is into the end of the hole. It was par four, par three. You're still challenged by it. And the golf course was perfectly acceptable and the competition was pretty fierce um, yeah. and, and enjoyable. So, you know. I mean, there's an example of how this can work. And it was, you know, it wasn't very expensive, 10 pounds or something like that. So, you know, the accessibility was was there. It was easy and it suited. Yeah, with, with, without a doubt. And you know what? And it, and it is still it is still the most unique sport in the world that you could have played that golf course with a major champion and been able to compete against them because of the handicap system. And you know, right. right, the quality you have the golf course etc it just it just you know it almost peels into insignificance and you know, and again you know as i say i've you know, played golf you know i'm not not a professional um far from it um 
but you know, and again, through that lockdown period, actually for me, that was that was when when golf in Scotland remained open during that second period. That's that's probably yeah. the first time I've really recognised the value of golf mm. as a sport that gets you outside, gets you engaging with people. You know, actually trying to you know trying to hit that three hundred yard drive or spin a ball back on a green or you know you know hit, a, hit an out to in shot. It, none of that mattered. Actually, what was important was just getting out of the house for three hours being around some friends, getting a bit of fresh air. And, you know, I've said this to my wife, you know, no disrespect to the family, but, you know, that, that I look back on that sort of six-month period now and I, it was so important to me because two young kids, you know, wasn't mm. much else to do and, you know, being able to get out and do that. And, and I think, you know, golf, and we'll cover a lot of this, I'm sure, over the, the next wee while, but, you know, golf has so many amazing facets to it that, mm. you know, people don't realise the value of golf as a sport and as an activity in the impact that it has on your life, whether that's from an economic perspective, whether it's from a sustainability perspective, or whether it's from a health and wellbeing perspective, you know, it, there's so many, so many elements of golf that, that impacts on life and impacts on the world. And, um, you know, I think generally golf's trying to do a better job now at, at trying to talk about some of those things and trying to highlight some of those things and move away from sure. some of the stereotypes. But, um, but yeah, no, you know, some of my best times have come playing nine hole golf course with my mates. You know, it's it's yeah, not about sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, sport for all. You know, it's sometimes it's lost its way a little bit, as as we would know. But you know, it's there. The the kind of heart and soul of the sport is is still there. Now, golf tourism, Alan, it's reported to be worth around three hundred million to the economy of Scotland. I mean, that's that's a big responsibility. But you know you're in there and you're you're punching uh, for for Scotland. Uh, would you say that's really significant because it feels and sounds significant, or do you think well actually we're kind of potentially underachieving or we're overachieving? What you know? Can you sort of put a bit of gloss on it for us? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, you know what? You know, I think that that growth has been there over the years as well. You know, I think when I first started, and I'm not taking, I'm, I'm not taking credit for this growth. Um, well, you should but, do, you know, Alan. You should yeah. do. <laughs> I think when I first started, I think the value of golf to Scotland was about 225 million, 230 million, right. and in the last sort of 10, 15 years, with everything that's going on, we're we're obviously looking at around about 300 million now. You know, I, I think you know, is that is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? You know. I, it's a great thing because it's putting money into the economy. You know, I think when we look at golf and golf tourism, it, it's a it's still a very niche market. Um, it obviously delivers huge value, and and there's around about two hundred thousand, two hundred twenty thousand visiting golfers to Scotland every year, um, which is which is a big number for for a niche product. But you know, I guess if we overlay that with what Visit Scotland does around caravan tourism or city tourism, you know, actually those 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 volume numbers pale into significance in terms of the amount of Germans that will come across in their caravans or or the Dutch that will come across in Hillwalk. But the value of the golf tourist is is the key thing because they spend roughly two and a half times more than a normal visitor. And within a 10-year spell, a golf visitor will, will return to Scotland twice. So again, generally your 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 volume and your value is is strong. It could be bigger, but it's a repetitive volume and value because once people have been here once, you know, I think a lot of people think of Scotland as a once in a once in a lifetime trip. And and actually what we find is that, that there is those that come for the once in a lifetime trip, but actually Scotland's a repeat destination. We have we have so many golf courses of so many types and so many mm. parts of the 
country that to do that justice it's not it's not a one trip trip um so I, you know so i think that's there i think i i think the difficulty with with kind of promoting golf in scotland at the moment is it's, it's the it's the variety of the product and the variety of the audience. You know, we look at the U.S. market, for example, um, our, our largest our largest value inbound sector, as you would imagine, and you know the predominant focus of those those U.S. visitors are the trophy golf courses. Yeah, it's the courses on the television. You know, if they can't play the old course, then you know why we're going to come to Scotland. You know, if we can't play Carnoustie, etc. A lot of that is working with the golf tourism industry, you know, the tour operators, both domestic and international, to try and you know build their build their portfolio of product out, um, educate the consumer more about golf in Scotland. And you know, yes, we have you know probably ten of the best golf courses in the world, but the next 180 golf courses underneath that are still just as good. Mm. Um, trying to balance that value proposition again, you know, again, particularly in America, we talked we talked a minute ago about public golf courses, Pebble Beach, public yeah. golf course, seven hundred eighty dollars around. You wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't. You know, you wouldn't pay that on a on a on a private golf course here in Scotland. Never mind a public golf course. So lots of education and lots of perception. I think domestically, that's where our biggest value uh, volume market comes from. So predominantly from the northeast of England, um, or the northeast northwest of England and the southeast of England. Um, we saw a big number. We saw a big number increase, obviously through COVID, as as travel was restricted and. You know, as as travels become more available again, then some of those sunshine destinations like Portugal or, or Spain or the the Emirates, you'll become you'll become a bit more of a competitor to us. Very different product, but you know, for that UK audience, a bit more of a competitor to go and go and play a bit of guaranteed sunshine and and, and holiday golf. Um, I I still think there's a huge amount of volume in the country. I still think there's a huge amount of you know, a huge amount more visitors that we can bring to Scotland, but but equally the as as many golf courses as we have and as many available tee times that we have, the the challenge is the infrastructure in Scotland and you know some of the road networks to get out to the you know the far flung paces in the Highlands or you know the accommodation and and again our peak season is summer, and that's peak season for golf, it's peak season for walking, it's peak season for city breaks, it's peak season for festivals and. You know, we're a we're a relatively small island with a relatively um, limited stock of accommodation, um, yeah. tourism facilities, your know, transport networks, etc. You know, hire cars. You know, there was a huge challenge last summer with hire cars in Scotland because of COVID and Brexit. You know, and we were we were hearing of of people coming in for the Open last year that just couldn't get a hire car in Scotland. There was just there was just none to book. So when you put that whole kind of macro element on. Onto the product of, of golf, there's there's lots of challenges there, but there's there's definitely lots of opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you touched upon it um, that there are such a variety of golf courses in Scotland. It, it's incredible. I mean, I a few years ago went up uh, to um, play Spey Valley, um, and uh, I played uh, Boda Garten as well, which is fairly. Yeah local um around the sort of Aviemore got that right haven't I it is yeah, yeah. Aviemore area uh, and um I think there's possibly a third golf I don't know I, certainly those two uh, and it was absolutely fantastic experience brilliant experience um you know and it wasn't diminished in any way um it's all beautifully historical area uh, yeah. an absolutely beautiful area um and and the sites were were terrific um so you know I agree with you I think that 
sometimes you know you want to get into the heart and soul of uh, a country if you can and, and golf in scotland ain't all about the major players and um, yeah it's nice and you've got the trophy courses but sometimes some of the quirks and some of the interesting the more interesting historical facts are buried uh, in other golf courses uh, around uh, around the, the country and i think it is worth just trying to delve in a little bit more uh, and, and do a bit of research uh, and, yeah. and find out and value as well. Um, you know, everybody likes a bit of good value. Well, yeah. there's some fantastic value out there uh, and, and fantastic experiences as well. So, you know, people listening to this podcast, maybe from outside even the UK uh, or, or in other parts of the UK, you know, Scotland is a rich tapestry of golf courses. It is an incredible experience and very surprising as well. And, and I think we all like it in a good way. And I think we all like that. We all want to be surprised. We'll want to go and say, hey, have you heard about Pam Muir or, you know, have you heard about X, Y, or Z, one uh, experience that was, and these are the reasons why. And all of a sudden, you know, the narrative changes, it, it expands more, and, uh, you know, it feels better because the product is so good. Yeah, no, you absolutely. And, and again, I think for people listening, you obviously there's there's lots of ways that you can research these things. There's you know, there's websites. There's people that have done it before. You know that that tour operator is a is a real kind of key key player in terms of looking at that inbound travel. Again, if if you've if if you're looking to make it easy, you know some of these some of these companies can really set up some some fantastic trips to far flung places in Scotland. You know, Askernish out in the Western Isles, and you well, know, I think. Yeah, you know, and, and certainly around you again, it's you know you've got you've got the honesty honesty box golf courses. Yeah. You know, what an experience they are. Where there's there's no pro shop, there's no there's yeah. no clubhouse, it's just a little post box or a mailbox. You know, sitting on the first tee and it asks you to donate some money. And you know, there's some great stories of the likes of Faldo and people like that. They have gone round and played some of these courses and signed a five pound note and, and popped it in the box. But you know, and, and I think that's something that we really try and you know, we really do try and get across in, in terms of that that tapestry of golf that's here, whether it's links, whether it's parkland, whether it's nine hole, whether it's city golf, whether it's resort golf, you know, there's a there's a whole a whole array of, of, of wonderful golf here. And um it's you know, we're yeah, we're very lucky. I you know, I I I think I again go back to COVID and don't want to kind of keep going back on that time too often, but I actually think Scottish golfers fell back in love with golf in Scotland during mm. that period. Time because they we went and found golf courses again you know we could play golf courses that that you know maybe we wouldn't think about playing you know previously because they would be too busy or they would be you know they would be kind of you know we we would be too busy to go and play them but um you know there's a i've got a great anecdote from from years ago from from an exit exit visitor survey that we did for golf tourism at the time and there was a there was a verbatim comment for somebody about you know what did you know what was the what was the best thing about your holiday in Scotland and this I was an American visitor and they said they'd found Creole Golf Club, you know, Creole Golf the, the seventh oldest golf course in the world yeah. I think yeah but but again it's not it's not in it's not in that visible psyche so for this person they had found it because they'd never heard about it before and they were going to go back and tell all their friends about this great golf course called Creole and. You know, I, I think that's it. That's the really special thing about golf in Scotland as well, is, is that I think it creates that camaraderie and that storytelling and that that sense of um, 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 yeah, thousands of golf courses and your 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 multi-billion pound industries and club manufacturing, shoe manufacturing. You know, 
bringing it right through to the modern day you know so many influencers and social influencers now using golf as a as an ability to kind of build their own businesses and when i was um you know when i was going through university and and kind of doing my degrees in business and things you know I, I always wanted to work for a brand that was synonymous with people around the world that you didn't have to explain what it was that you did and you know i, I guess at the time i was thinking coca-cola or pepsi max or fifa world cup you know at, at no time really did kind of scotland or or you know the home of golf you know did i view that as a really kind of a, a career opportunity so so to speak um but actually you know to your point you know, I, you know, I've been I've been lucky enough to be doing this job now for for 14, 15 years under various guises and 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 lots of various various projects within that. But wherever I go in the world, it, it's amazing the stories that people that tell you about golf in Scotland, and that just that gives me that real pride and that real kind of you know effort to keep going. You know, it's 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 not easy. There's there's lots of competition out there. Um, you know, there's there's lots of sunshine golf, guaranteed sunshine golf there's lots of destinations with with plenty more budget and plenty more um you know kind of resources than than we have here in scotland at the moment um but the one thing that they don't have that is is that history and that heritage and your know, major tournament programs are, yeah. are really done on keeping us front of mind and and you know keeping those golf courses and the destination front of mind of people around the world so yeah you know i love it you know hopefully Hopefully, you know, hopefully stay in the job for a wee while longer and, you know, don't don't get found out. Hopefully improve my golf game a wee bit more in the time. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it's something I, something I really enjoy. Yeah, I mean, it's so I, what I can tell you was when I was working uh, over at the K Club and I th- was involved in the Lockern project as well as uh, for the first three years uh, setting it up. Uh, with with Jim and Tracy, God bless him, um, and I was invited onto the Northern Ireland Golf Tourism uh, Board, uh, and it was really quite interesting because you in Ireland's complicated enough, uh, sort of uh, political and and socioeconomic history. Uh, so you had Board Fulcher, which covered sort of covered Ireland. And then you had the Northern Ireland Tourist Board as well uh, that existed. So um, it, it was always, uh, I suppose, a delicate type of thing. Uh, anyway, that said, um, they they kind of launched, and I can remember, and I'm talking about Board Fulcher, uh, launched this quite aggressive campaign. Uh, and I remember I was I happened to be party to seeing the uh, first launch of the video. Um, and then I'd, I'd moved on to the K-Club, so therefore that was an integral part of Southern Irish golf in a particular yeah. way and, and of course brought the, the Ryder Cup uh, to Ireland uh, or Dr Smurfett certainly did and you know as party to some of those conversations and the thing that uh, I mean I thought they did a great campaign uh, I thought it was uh, really uh, interesting and vibrant and it sort of said yes we've got good golf courses uh, but the crack is mighty and you know you'll have a great time and sort of attacking that American Irish sort of relationship uh, and and you guys came back really strongly uh, I can I can clearly remember uh, so I'm in Scotland now so it's I suppose I'm wearing the hat where I was uh, and I can remember the homeless golf being projected harder 
and uh, more forcefully um, because Ireland were making inroads into, into tourism, golf tourism in, in quite a big way, uh, and Scotland came back and, uh, and did a good job as well. So I think that sort of competitiveness between the two uh, islands that are not so far away from each other actually sparked something. Um, it, I'm out of that situation, Alan, and have been for about 10 years. Does that sort of little competitiveness still exist? Uh, and um, can you identify with with what I was I was alluding to? Yeah, no, I de definitely can identify, and I, and I think it, it's interesting actually. I, 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 it, in some ways, I think there's a little bit more collaboration there than competitiveness. You, know, I think <laughs> we we are two small islands. You, know, I think <laughs> we we are we are you know closer closer linked than than many maybe many other places and and actually in, in some of the conversations I've had with Northern Ireland Northern Ireland Tourist Board in particular you know I think we recognize that that the, the golfer the, the the golf visitor you know wants to play both so actually we're not you know we're not competing against each other there's a huge market of golfers out there and, and obviously there's some com competition there then you know, in terms of we want to kind of you know keep, keep people coming here generally because we think the golf courses are a bit better and you know, have a higher standard and the experience is a bit better, etc. But but as I was saying earlier, actually the infrastructure and the capacity of Scotland is such that you know we, you know you can't you can't bring everybody in at one time. So you're trying to create. Mm. Some of that. I think I think where the competitiveness and where the competition comes in there is is certainly in the finances. I think you know, Ireland. Mm. Have always been in a much stronger position to, to to Scotland in terms of the financial backing for 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 golf and for golf tourism. Um, I think as an industry, I think there there there's a bit of a stronger kind of you know um, public backing of funding there, and I think that's actually driven by a number of different things. I think there's three governments. You know, you've got Falsha Ireland, you've got the South yeah. of Ireland, North. You know, there's there's three different tourism yeah. bodies kind of coming yeah. in on that. Um, whereas in Scotland, obviously, we have the Scottish government and, and they fund Visit Scotland. Um, but I also think that actually what, what Visit Scotland have done and, and, and do is you know, we've moved away a lot from the kind of the traditional marketing activity in terms of you know, million pound campaigns and TV and radio. And I guess we, we, we try and use the money that we do have in a, in a, in a more efficient way, not necessarily than, than Ireland, but in the way that we get our money, a more efficient way and a more effective way in number of different ways some of that's through event investment but equally you know a big push from from visit scotland you know in, in the way that we do our work now is in responsible tourism and as i say that the, the key word there is about collaboration and um you know rebuilding and growing the value of tourism generally across scotland and, and obviously from my position from a from a specific perspective but doing that in a way that makes scotland a better place for people to live and for people to visit mm -hmm. and we can't get the all across the country, there's people that live here, um, and and we can send visitors. And yeah, you know, yeah. if, we, if, if we're not improving the lives of, of people in Scotland or, or trying to support the improvement of lives and people in Scotland through the work that we do, then then that that impact on the visitor is there. And actually, the the positive benefits of tourism for everyone isn't there. You ultimately we might end up sending you know, ten thousand Dutch in a caravan into into a part of the country that. It just gets overrun and muddied and dirty, and the locals are going, "What's going on here?" So, you, know, I think, I think that you know, visit Scotland has has kind of evolved and and um, you know, refocused, I guess, over the time. You know, we continue in this very difficult landscape at the moment in terms of public funding and, and the hmm. the answer from the public purse that's out there. But you know, I really do think that that as an industry in Scotland, we're very collaborative as a as a you know 
tourism and golf and, and actually when we look globally you know again there's there's that collaboration there you know i think i think we can all learn from each other and you know there's there's you know there's there's plenty of golfers to go around in the world clearly i'd like them all to come to scotland but um, you know you, you you want to kind of let people you know, engage in, in the product when they want to engage in the product and um you know, and, and as i say try and educate and, and develop the the offering that they have yeah, yeah. Uh, and you mentioned tournaments and you played a big part in the Lady Scottish Open coming to Dundonald Links, which at the time Loch Lomond Golf Club owned. Uh, and we still have, our members still have access to Dundonald Links, such as the, the, the good relations between ourselves uh, and the new owners. Uh, and that was in 2015, so I remember it well, uh, of course. Um, and w- what attracted you to Dundonald Links, Alan, and, and any favourite memories? It's become a co-sanctioned event. So Dundonald's back, you know, with the ladies uh, as well as a co-sanctioned. So seven of the top 10 in the world will be there in August um, this year. I mean, that, that is an absolutely terrific thing. But I guess what attracted you to Dundonald? Any favourite memories of Dundonald? Um, so let's let's start off with that. Yeah, you, you know what I've, I've got to say. I, I, I think as a as a development in the last eighteen months, you know, Ian and, and Ashley and Kevin and Lindsay and, and the Darwin team. You know, yeah, what a job they've done. Uh, you know, you look mm. at you look at the, the, you know, we, we, you know, I was talking much earlier about the availability of accommodation and good accommodation and, and that that whole visitor experience. And you know, they you know, keeping the golf out the side of it for the moment. You know, they've that 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 product that we have now. You know, mm. for Scotland to market and for Ayrshire to market and for Dundonald to market, you know, is phenomenal. And I think. I, I think what excited me most about going back to Dundonald is was was that was we have a venue that has bought into what ourselves and IMG are trying to do with the Women's yeah. Scottish Open and have been trying to do with the Women's Scottish Open since 2007, I think. Um, you know, kind of it was reborn on the banks of Loch Lomond at the uh, at the at the Cameron House just down the road from you when we when we yeah. first brought that event back onto the onto the LET schedule. And ever since that 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 2006-2007 events, the, the intention has always been that we should have a women's Scottish Open standing tall and standing proudly beside a men's Scottish Open yes. that is is equal, that is that is that is really promoting the game of golf in Scotland for men and for females and, and creating opportunities for young girls to be inspired, not only by the leading men in the world, but also the leading females in the world. And and, and I think you know I think the very first year that we came to you in 2015, yep. I think we, we were just a, a standalone LET event at that time. That's right. Yeah. Um, and and the visionary that he was at the time, and you know, I think he's probably been called a visionary a few times. But you know, Martin Gilbert from an Aberdeen mm. asset management perspective, you know, the foresight that he had, along with ourselves in government, um, to 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 co-sanction that event, and with his sponsorship of the men's scottish open you know to to drive both of those events forward and clearly in 2017 we went to co-venue co-hosted venues um you're hosting both the men's and the women's events Mm -hmm. there to give that parity you know again you think back that's seven eight years ago and now there's other other tournaments and other venues now following that that lead in terms of co-sanctioning and in that but you know I, i think the real drawback to dundonald Aside from aside from the developments and everything else, was was the real kind of will and desire of 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 Ian and the team there to to buy into the the vision for the Women's Scottish Open in terms of its continued growth and its continued development as a tournament. And as you say, I think you know it's borne fruit certainly last year. 
Um, and in recent years, in terms of the quality of player and the, and the standard of player that we're getting into that event, it still has its challenges. You know, it's it's, it's really interesting. I was I was involved in the bid for um, and the successful delivery of the Solheim Cup in 2019. And yeah. You know, obviously, you know, fond fond memories for you there of, of 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 the hosting of that event as well. You know, going back sure. a few years, and you know, we had we had a real vision for that event that it would be the catalyst for the growth of women's golf in Scotland. And 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 actually, the pandemic got in the way of that. And you, know, we've had a couple of stalled years with you know, no attendances at the event and lack of international travel and stuff. But um, you know, the, the player feedback from from Dundonald last year was was fantastic. And again, it's you know, it's it's easy for these players to criticise venues and criticise accommodation and criticise food and drink. It's not so easy for them to be positive and mm. well, sorry, it's easy for them, but it doesn't come as easily for them to um, to be as positive. And you know, we only heard positive things from the players last year about their whole experience at Dundonald compared to you know compared to previous years where you know the infrastructure maybe hadn't been quite as big or the the golf course had been played by the men two or three weeks earlier, so maybe wasn't in as as fine a condition, but. Um, you know, I'm, I, you know, I, I, you know, I really enjoy, I really enjoy working with the team there. And as I say, I think you know, we're obviously back there this year. Um, you know, I think everybody's excited to get back this year, and and you know, hopefully we can continue to kind of build and grow that event and and for many more years to come. Well, I, I you mentioned, uh, so I must tell you a story, Alan. Yeah, you mentioned um, the, the 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 we had the Scottish Open uh, and then the Ladies Scottish Open at the Donald Links. So um, there was a lot of pressure uh, yeah. and a lot of work uh, for the venue. Um, and uh, anyway, one of the things that we debated internally. This is a huge opportunity to sort of drive equality um, and 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 the the equity in the. I think funds, the prize money was beginning to narrow as well, which was which was great. But anyway, we, you know, there's little we could do about that. But certainly, so we produced this T-shirt, um, and quite a few of them actually. Um, and and we we thought we had a big debate about you know this T-shirt equality for golf men and ladies in the back, and you know, and and, and strap lines and and what have you. And um, anyway, the idea uh, this guy called Digger. Uh, who's a Dundas, you really should get a yeah. shout out for that. Uh, and he, he came up with a sort of strap line. And, and there was a bit of, you know, when you enter your market here, I have a background in marketing as well. And you enter that, so, you know, people, it's all about ideas and you can't choose everybody's idea. You have yeah. to go with an idea and have to stick with it. And uh, I remember uh, Fergie, Ian Ferguson, um, and uh, also Donald McDonald, um, you know, and, 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 you know, the, the decision rested with himself to kind of say, right, okay, well, this, this is the way we're going to go. So, you know, that was the decision. And so there was, we, we priced the T-shirts at £20, uh, five different colours. Um, sales were fine. That wasn't, well, wasn't the main reason for it. Uh, and uh, But I don't know, you know, if, ever, you know, not everybody's idea was used, so I'm not sure if everybody bought into it, but I was kind of very proud of it. Uh, and um, so we, we, we sort of there was a little bit of uh, male detestrone flying around and and uh, whose idea and whatever and at the end of the day I said Digger. so we'll we'll then um, so I would mention the t-shirts and you know you get a, maybe a bit of a frosty response <laughs> uh, and and then I listened to a podcast. And it must have been 18 months after, uh, um, and it was BBC, uh, and I think it was about the Masters, actually, uh, which, of course, is coming up quite soon. And um, 
Uh, and the chap, uh, it was Andrew Coulthard, was, uh, um, uh, was, was the chap in the hot seat. And uh, I think it was Mark Chapman, possibly the other BBC presenter. And he said, oh, that's a very interesting T-shirt you're wearing. Uh, and this is within the first five minutes. And Andrew said, yes, indeed it is. He said, I've got the Sunday links uh, as promoting men and ladies golf. And I... <laughs> And I recorded it and sent it to Fergie and Donald, and they still haven't replied to me to this day. <laughs> I mean, and I thought, well, that's a hell of a coup. But anyway, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, and uh, the, the boys are. Great. I'm going to answer next time That's so yeah. Yeah, yeah, do you do? You probably not answer, you. Uh, but uh, anyway. So, uh, 2022. As a huge year for Champsome Golf in Scotland, five major golf tournaments back to back. My God, I mean, you know, did did that pay off? Was it too many, or was it a, just a golf jamboree? It's, it's never too many. It's never too many. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, you know what? I mean, again, with within the work that we do and the work that I do, you know, we we have a golf portfolio, and we're constantly looking at kind of growing our national events and bringing in major international events. And you know, within within the golf portfolio, clearly. We have our two national opens, men's and women's, and we have the Open Championship, the Women's Open, and and I guess the the, the others in 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 irregular kind of periods of time in terms of Ryder Cup and Solheim Cup. Generally speaking, when we plan those out, we try not to we try not to have too much in Scotland at the same time because um, from an infrastructure perspective and from a supply perspective, clearly mm. that that's that's a lot to kind of deliver on top of things like music festivals and Edinburgh festivals and local community sh- uh, com- community events and things like that. Um, however, again, COVID delayed the Open, so obviously the Open at St Andrews should have been there in 2021, um, yeah. and it was back to 2022, um, and there had already been a commitment that the Women's Open would go to Muirfield in 2022, and, and, and again, generally speaking, the Senior Open will be held in Scotland when the Open is held in Scotland, because there's there's links there between some of the sponsors that, that makes that a bit easier. So we knew we knew fairly well out that, that this was coming. Um, and I've got to say, I think it was, I mean, it was a huge success. I mean, geez, I, I like to take credit for the weather in Scotland when it's nice, but I don't think I can take any credit for five weeks of pretty much consecutive consecutive heat waves um, yes. last summer. There was the odd day where, you know, where yeah. we got beaten up, but my goodness, I don't think we, ex- we didn't expect anything like that. And I, but, but what that did for us as a destination is, is exactly what we want what we want events to do for us it brings people in it brings people into the country to come to the event and it brings people into the country to then travel around whilst they're here and play golf and visit the cities and and see the sites but it also broadcasts us globally on television to hundreds of millions of homes for five consecutive weeks mm. in every market that you could conceivably think of whether it was the open championship that, that hits everything whether it was the the first co-sanctioned PGA Tour European Tour event at, at Renaissance Club, which you obviously a big American audience for that, and then in the women's game, clearly a Japanese winner at, at Dundonald um, for the Women's Scottish Open, um, you know, reaches into the Asian market, which is you know still a huge, huge untapped opportunity in terms of your know, golf and everything else, and then Ashley Buhai from South Africa winning winning the Women's British Open, so yes, you know. We touched every corner of the world with winners and, and with the tournaments. And I think what we see from that is, you know, from a Dundonald perspective, you know, they're broadcast globally around the world for four four days, you know, three and a half hours, four hours a day on, on TV stations around the world. And 
seeing the quality of players that come and play in that event really you know elevates the venue makes people realize that it's a championship venue that they must you know then go and visit and see and watch um and again you know as, as your viewers and, and your listeners will see lots of nice big aerials of the country from airplanes that are up there taking shots of you know the scenic landscapes and, and when i come back to talk about our marketing spend and everything else you know that's really where we push our marketing activity now is you're predominantly into those events from a consumer perspective because it gives you so many eyeballs and the real the real trick after that is to is to then get into market with product and with operators and with tea times that, that then encourage and you know, obviously flight paths and things like that as well that encourage people to come to the country i think probably the biggest challenge and the biggest downside that we had from last year is is still just that imbalance between men's and women's sport um mm. you obviously two huge men's events um you know the women's british open actually was was very well attended and, and very very good at, at, at muirfield um and and similarly at dundonald but i think when you come back to your comments about the t-shirts and um you know the equity debate and everything else there's still a, there's still a huge divide there in 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 a corporate sense in in terms of the the, the investment into into properties like that um you know i think on when you look at the men's scottish open clearly genesis have come in and supported that it's part of a rolex yes. series and you know you, you you talked earlier about us, us trying to get the, the purses closer for both events um you know we, we got very close to it one year and then and then the men's scottish open goes to a rolex series event and it, yes. and it jumps up five million pounds and you know from a from a public sector investment you know we we heavily invest into the women's game because we we believe in that for all the reasons that i've talked about but actually within the women's game and within the women's scottish open particularly you know it, you know it does need people like martin gilbert it does need you know that 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 kind of um you know that that chief of industry or that 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 philanthropist type person to you know, really just look at that as a as a as a product of growth as a as a product of opportunity um that if if, if invested in can can flourish whereas within the men's game you know what you're getting you know you you know it's going to cost a lot of money and you know the output that comes from that and I, you know, and i think that's you know, if anything that that probably you know, brought to light more last summer having all those big events you know, again just some of that disparity between the men's and women's games that you would hope isn't there but you know, and it's definitely closing is you know, again when i look back to 2006 2007 you know we look at the prize funds and everything else it's it's definitely much closer but um, you know, I would say women's sport and, and women's golf in particular, you know, still has still has um, you know, roads to go down in, in terms of really driving that driving that growth and that value, um, you know, from a commercial perspective. Sure, sure. Um, and what about for sponsors? You know, if if you were to upsell the ladies' game, you know, uh, for for sponsorship for companies get involved, you know, one of the things that we've touched upon in these podcasts. Has been, you know, if your if your company's message is a strong equality, uh, diversity message, ladies golf is a really good place to start to endorse and to be associated with. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, maybe this is the sales pitch that I'm coming out with, but uh, you know, what what uh, what do you think, Alan? What's your views? You're closer to it than I am. Well, you know what I mean. Well, as you said, I'm a marketeer, not a salesman. But you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, again, you know, I'm, I'm fully invested in that women's Scottish Open because because I believe in the product and I, and I believe that we we should be doing that. You know, from a from a public sector and from a government perspective, we we shouldn't be heavily investing in one thing and, and not in the other thing if there if there's a parity there. Now, you know, our investment into the men's Scottish Open and the women's Scottish Open is 
you're more or less equal. Um, but I think what you get out of the women's game, um, or what you can get out of the women's game, is is uh, you, you get a number of things out of it actually. But much much greater access and much greater connection to the players. And you know, you know, hopefully I won't I won't name of the players just in case they aren't. But I would say I've made more friends in the last ten years within the women's game, within the professional women's game, than I have yeah. within the men's game because they are personable, they are engaging, they are they are willing to do things without without a, without an agent in front of them or without money you know without money being talked about because they see the opportunity for themselves as as employed individuals or self-employed individuals to, to kind of grow their brand and grow their brand within the tournaments um and and i do think that women's sport remains on a on a real upward trajectory you look at football you look at rugby you know that you know, in the last couple of years they've really come on golf mm. is all in a very good position to, to kind of capitalize on that on that commercial marketplace in terms of access to players as we were saying earlier you can play the same golf course as them you know some of my some of my my, my most fun rounds have come with come with players in, in the women's game and you know there's there's a real real thing there but but just specifically on your point we we fund events generally because of the economic and the media value of those events um, but within the women's game, it's it's on it's on an equality basis. It's on a diversity basis. You we can't talk the talk about being a responsible destination for tourism and driving equality in in, in society in Scotland if we're not also doing that at, at an investment level as well. And I think that's the case. Yeah. You translate that into business. You know, it's really interesting when you look at some of the businesses that invest into the men's game of golf that are not investing into the women's game of golf, and yet DNI and equality and you know it's all buzzwords that company uses. But when you actually look at the nitty gritty of of you know investment here versus investment there, it, it it's not the same. Um, so you know, that's yeah, true. for anybody, that's very very true, Alan. That's very true. I mean, what you're saying, you know, I can endorse. You know, I've been fortunate, like yourself, to play pro ams and play with some of the men pros, and uh, I guess get to know some uh, and the ladies as well as you've just uh, so eloquently described. And they are, they feel, the ladies feel a, a responsibility to promoting the game um, and uh, the fun rounds. You know, it's more engaging. Um, you you can have more of a level conversation. I I, I think, uh, in my yeah. experience, and you know, particularly with the Lady Scottish Open Pro Am, uh, it used to be part of the event actually uh, that you played in, which was which was an incredible experience. Uh, but you know, you're right. There's never a problem about coming on a podcast, or very rarely, there's never a problem about exploring opportunities that you could you know uh, for a company i mean it's a wide open door i think um that the lady is growing participation rates are growing very rapidly in, in girls golf uh, and kpm kpmg have, have 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 definitely seen that out in america and and i think that uh, the opportunities definitely exist i mean look at dundon i know there is a sponsor but there are sponsorship opportunities for the lady scottish open dundon links you got seven out of the top 10 lady golfers in the world playing in it i mean what an opportunity yeah you know you know and again i know katrina was on the pod the, you know for the for the yeah. first week but you know, I, you know, I, I do think that within Scottish golf, we have some very young, exciting female talent coming through the system. Mm. And again, for a company, for a company or for individuals that 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 want to kind of back back a horse, you know, you know, there's there, you know, Louise Duncan, who's just turned professional. Yeah, um, great, great prospect. 
You've got uh, Hannah Darling out in the states playing in the Augusta National Women's Women's event this week. You know, we've got you know, we've got some really really strong female players coming through. Absolutely, you know, the, the pro am opportunities, the ability to host your clients around professional events, sports people, and 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 I think one of the biggest things that I see is a difference between the men's and the women's game in that whole pro am environment. And you'll 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 relate to this. You play off the same tee. So yes. you're, you're, you're right beside them. You're watching them hit the ball from exactly the same place as you hit the ball from and you walk off the tee with them. I think a lot of the time in the men's game, they can be 40, 50, 60 yards behind you. And all of a sudden you're playing different tees and that that connectivity isn't isn't quite there because you don't want to wait five minutes for them to catch you up 70 yards. Um, and, and sometimes the male pro walks a bit slower, so they're not necessarily uh, catching up with you as well. But within the women's game, it's right there. And, you know, and, and you know, I know you've had your dark Charlie Hull and, and, and Dame Laura yes. Davies and Gina Matthew. You know, there's there's some icons of the game there that, that you can tee it up with. You know, with you know, very easily. And you're right, you know, we have a we have a very you know a very very good title sponsor there and Dr. Prin and, and Trust Golf. But you know, I'm yes. I'm sure the team, the team running that event would be would be delighted to hear from anybody that, that would look at you know want to look at any kind of investment in there because from my perspective any investment only goes towards the growth of the tournament. You know, we are we are in a position where the tournament happens and we've got a nice prize fund. But you know, to try and grow that tournament, you know, we need to get we we do need to kind of find you know income streams for other places to 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 grow the visitor offering or the spectator offering to to improve the player facilities, etc. So yeah, you know, as I say, it, it's easy for me to say it because I guess I live and breathe it every day. But um, yeah, really, really great product. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I'm going to ask you your favourite experience of, uh, I, I kind of alluded to playing the Lady Scottish Open with some of the girls, you know, uh, iconic moment for you or what you can remember the most, but I'll I'll give you a minute to think about that while I tell you my story, because I, I said I was going to tell it on the first podcast with, with Laura and we ran out of time, because as you'd imagine, I mean, we're running out of time here, unfortunately, as well, Alan, but we've got a bit of time left, uh, and, uh, and I said I would tell a story and maybe someone can take this chunk out and show it to Laura, but um, I played in the uh, the pro am in the Ladies Scottish Open. I think it was three years, and for sure for two of them, I, I was with uh, Laura Davis, who was part of the um, uh, the four ball. And you actually played in the they were playing in the tournament, but you were they were partnering you, and you were also in a in a side tournament. So it was a really unique experience. Well, the, the first year um, I didn't get uh, Laura, but um, a BBC presenter called Naga Manchetti was paired with, with Laura and uh, and that was great, but I happened to be in the formal. But the second year Laura was partnered with me uh, and the, the format that used to happen, and you mentioned Martin Gilbert, who said he would come on this podcast, so I hope Martin does because it'll be hugely interesting as well, Alan. Uh, but he is a visionary and a, and a good character, um, a, a brilliant, brilliant character actually. Uh, so um, he used to, of course, entertain, put on great entertainment. So uh, I always got uh, an afternoon tea off the first day. Um, so playing with Laura Dundon Lynx, you mentioned, played relatively okay, played fine. And you've got to remember that the spectators, you know, um, 
It could be a thousand people around the putting green or around the tee box. It's not an easy thing. Uh, but anyway, for, for, first day was 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 fine. Um, and then, of course, Martin would put on the entertainment. And I always had about a half seven tee off the next day, uh, which which was a which was a real a real struggle for me anyway. Uh, and um, so I, I was pushing everything to the right um, and. You know, I could see that Laura was beginning to, I was being a bit tiresome. Uh, and I don't know why, uh, just off the tee, just, you know, normally relatively accurate, but I just couldn't, I was blocking it out. Um, and uh, at this stage, and I can't remember, I think it might have been, not sure, 17th maybe 16th i'm not quite sure uh and uh, and there was a fair crowd around us and i'd been struggling she played quite well uh and of course uh, i got to the tee box and your your confidence is kind of gone your first day confidence is shredded uh and uh, and i didn't i didn't push it i hooked it so i hooked the ball uh, and Laura, at the top of her voice uh, in front of five or six hundred adoring members of the public said that's not like you, Bill. You normally put it in the shit on the right. <laughs> Which, you know, and I totally deserve that comment. And, you know, we all, the 600 people laughed. I laughed. Everybody laughed. You know, are you going to get that sort of uh, stuff, um, you know, uh, elsewhere? I don't think you are. The girls are great. They, they tell great stories. Uh, they make you part of it. So, uh, Alan, for you, can you remember any good stories or any, any you know, nice experiences? Yeah. Sorry, the camera just went there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? I mean, I've been I've been so fortunate in my time that I've got got to play with so many special people, and or you know, you know, yeah, really special people. And you know, there's 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 one male who jumps to mind, Colin Morikawa. You know, a couple of years ago, you know, just. Wow. Finished felt like I was playing with her. It was the week before he won the Open. So you know, played in the Scottish Open and it just felt like I was playing with a mate. You know, it, it was he was just, you know, for being number seven in the world or whatever he was at that point in time, he was he was just so yeah, so interested in who I was, who my guests were and, and everything else. But um but I've had some yeah, I've had some great times in, in the women's I never played in any of those alliance events that you're talking about. Oh, did there. you not? I could not cope with a thousand people watching me. A hundred oh, pressure is enough for me but no i've been lucky enough to play with katrina uh area yutanagarn um i played with stacy lewis you know a, a couple of years yeah. ago i think probably one of the one of the one of the best or the, the the sort of the proudest ones is probably last year to be honest yeah louise duncan making a professional debut at mm. last year you know louise is somebody that i've known for a number of years and, and we've done a bit of work with her through scottish golf with visit scotland and in hosting some of our our golf things that we do throughout the year and, and being in that privileged position as a sponsor and being able to offer Louise the opportunity to make her professional debut at the Women's Scottish Open and by sheer coincidence then getting the opportunity to play with uh, Louise in the Pro-Am um, of, of her professional debut week is is something that I kind of look back on with a real sense of pride and you know, I don't take any responsibility for for Louise's success. You know, pre or post that, but you, know, I think you know, going back to what we're saying earlier about that investment in the women's game. I think I think being able to see that journey that young people can go on through this mm. game and, and and succeed from is is something that that I'm very proud of. And and again, you know, from a women's Scottish Open that started, you know, restarted, you know, almost well, got 15, 16 years ago now. You know, being able to kind of follow that growth and and give opportunities to the likes of Louise and and hopefully many more to come is 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 really special. 
they might not want me to play in the pro-ams with them again. I, I, I don't regularly win the pro-ams, but my guests, my guests, my guests have a nice time and, and I have a nice day out. So, um, so yeah, I, yeah, I think I think Louise last year, yeah. I mean, it's actually an interesting, but so Louise Duncan is a name definitely to look out for, uh, is, is what Alan is saying, and, and I'm, I'm endorsing that. But it's really, really important, uh, something you touched on, Alan, um, you know, uh, Leona and Lisa McGuire, and, and certainly in the early days, uh, both Lockern and Sleeve Russell, which is sort of on the on the border, so you're sort of Fermanagh uh, cabin, um, and they were from that sort of region, uh, and they got great support. Um, you know, I mentioned Jim Tracy, uh, Sean Quinn as well, of course, uh, in that area. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know the, the ins and outs, but I, I know that there was support there. Uh, and, and it definitely gave them a huge leg up. And, you know, Leona is now uh, positioned to, I mean, she's doing already doing serious damage uh, on, on the tour and the ladies tour in America. So I'm cup. She was just, it was incredible. And this is what you can see, you know, so the likes of Jim, um, and, and, and Sean, um, should feel, you know, I'm sure they do very proud of seeing somebody that they helped go on and realize their potential. And it's the same with a lot of these young, young girls or young professional golfers. They need, they need assistance. They need help. Uh, it's it's not easy. Things are expensive, you know. And and uh, for all those people that that do do that, God God bless them because you know um, it, it it's it's really important that uh, you know someone shows some talent, they get the opportunity to display it and hopefully realise their potential. Alan, um, so your ultimate four balls. So if you had to play with three people, who would it be, Alan? Oh, there we go. Uh, I didn't get a heads up on that question. Um, <laughs> we are a bit random. So I think, um, so I grew up in Aberdeen. So uh, just just too young to remember Aberdeen winning the Cup Winners' Cup in 1983. I was born, but yeah. it was too old. So I think, I think Alex Ferguson, being able to spend a bit of time with Alex Ferguson on a golf course would be, would be amazing Oof. to talk listen listen to listen to the stories of, of, of that um i i i think i think being able to play with um monte in his prime mm. would be would be amazing to kind of have a look at that and then i think I think the other one that would be I, I, again. I, I've not met this lady, but I think Annika Sorenstam. You know, I, I think when yes. you, when we compare that male and female thing, you know, she you know she has done probably more for the women's game in some ways than Tiger has done for the men's game. But mm. I, I think being able to you know being able to play a four ball with her and doesn't sound like a bad four ball actually, does it? Yeah, That's, it's pretty good. I would come and watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd happy, happily uh, carry your bag, Alan, uh, and anything else you, you you may need. Yeah, no, but that's yeah, yeah. Again, and, and you know what, what, what you know, what a great way to kind of you know, experience that with these people. And you know, again, you can't really go and play, can't go and play football with uh, you know with Lineker or with Pelly yeah. or anything like that, can you? But what you know, what a sport to be able to share share four and a half hours with you know people like that or you know from industry or from business or from tv or, or whatever it is in, in that space you're very very lucky 
Yeah, we are. It's a fantastic sport, the best. Uh, Alan Grant um, from Visit Scotland, thank you so much for being the guest. We that an hour has flown by, so uh, we really, really appreciate it. So, Alan, thank you so much. No, you're more than welcome. More than welcome.